Where the hell have you been? God. Hetty, what are you doing in my room? I've been waiting since 6 o'clock last night to hear from you. I've been worried sick. But it was crying all night. I finally had to come in here so it calmed down. I'm sorry. I guess I just didn't think. No, you didn't. And there's such a thing as a phone, you know? This is New York. Things happen. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. It was thoughtless. Really. <sighs> Making me feel like I'm 16 years old here. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 143, single white female. Now that we've worked ourselves up, we're ready to go here. Week two of yes. One Trashy Summer. Wow, a lot of passion for that Basic Instinct episode. We were like two Michael Douglases doing that episode. It brought Ripping out a our lot. ties off. It was a lot to ask of our listeners, we know. So the hopefully the rest of One Trashy Summer will be somewhat shorter episodes. Less passionate. <laughs> little Dial that passion down just a little bit. Right. So Single White Female, same year as Basic Instinct, 92. It was a big year for... I think kind of a... Suspenseful... Similar vibe. Sexy dramas. Certainly not as well executed. No, no. This movie is definitely not as good as Basic Instinct. It's a fun movie, though. It's a movie that I think we would have gotten to eventually, but it seemed to fit the motif of this month a little I bit. Think so. I think it's so. not yeah. super trashy or anything, but there's a lot of nudity in it. It's kind of unnecessary, almost yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> True. I not mean, that I'm complaining, but it's just there's it's gratuitous a little I, bit. Yeah, not to compare everything back to Basic Instinct, but since we're fresh off that episode, certainly a step down in overall production value. You would say. Certainly, yeah. This you know, is a much smaller budget, a much smaller movie. Yeah. Not quite the cast either. No. Although <laughs> a, a solid cast. Yeah, Stephen Weber. The, the two leads. Poor man's Michael Douglas, maybe? A homeless man, That's I would right. say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a homeless man's Michael Douglas. Just a homeless man. <laughs> Poor Stephen Weber. I like Weber, yeah. but he never really made it too far into the that motion picture world. He's a big star. Audio commentary he did. Audiobook. Audiobook, sorry. It's awesome. Well, I yeah. love it. Okay, so before we jump into today's feature film, Single White Female, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review if you have oh, that's right. a moment. Yeah. If you're new to the show, we have stickers. I know most old listeners have one. Reach out for a sticker. Tell your friends, spread the word. Let's really hype up One Trashy Summer. Yeah, that's right. We want to do it again next year. 
We're not 100% sold on no. whether we will or not. If the demand's not there, we won't do it. But we want it to be there. <laughs> well, that hasn't stopped us from doing the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Now, in order to keep this one shorter than last week and not be so self-indulgent. <laughs> true, yeah. Let's jump right into Single White Female. Now, you are brand new to this That's movie. That's true. First time watcher, long Which is time unfortunately fan. not the first time that we've been down this road. Okay. I think there's been a few that you were new to. Why is that unfortunate? Well, I mean... It's nice to mix it up. Have we ever... I guess we did... Uh, Bellflower. Bellflower was the only one that I right. hadn't seen. Which did not go over well. <laughs> I would say it was saved in the edit. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on with the Bellflower episode, yeah. but I think overall it turned out okay. I think so, too. <laughs> we might be the only podcast that just constantly references our old episodes as if all of our listeners have listened to every second of every well, episode. Well, we're true um, historians. Plus, it piques interest, you know? I mean, for someone that never listened to the Bellflower episode, now they're like, you know what? I think I'll go back and give that one a shot. That's true. I'm pretty new to this film as well. The first time I saw this movie was last year. Yeah. And I think it's in a unique category of films where... In the sense that you don't own it. No, I do own it. <laughs> oh. But it transcends its own popularity in terms of cultural impact, if Why you know couldn't... what I mean. Because the plot of this movie yes. is so well known that it became a reference point and a parody. It got parodied so many times and uh -huh. so many jokes were made. Anytime a woman on a TV show acted crazy, you could throw in like a single white female joke. Right. Off it's kind of like Sophie's Choice or yeah. Rosemary's Baby or Sliding Doors, which is a movie that probably no one saw, but like everyone kind of gets the idea of the reference. Yeah. It's a reference point more than an actual movie. Now, it did do okay, box yeah. office wise. I have a question for you. Why wasn't I allowed to borrow your copy of the movie? Because it was available on Crackle with commercials. <laughs> well, the, come on. You want to know what, too? Like, there's so much dialogue in this movie. It's a very talk-heavy movie. I had to turn the volume, like, way up. And then the commercials for Crackle would come on, and they'd be <laughs> fucking blasting. I figured it would be easier to not have to do the borrowing stuff for every single movie. I'm if, good if, with it, yeah. If we can avoid it. All right. It, we're trying to work on a schedule here and yeah, get these out. You get anxiety if too many movies have been checked out to me <laughs> at one time. They're stacking up. Yeah. So, Single White Female, directed by a guy named Barbette Schroeder. That is a man. <laughs> yeah, I did see that, actually. I checked the Wikipedia, clicked on it. Pretty old-looking dude. I don't know how current the picture was. I didn't I was look at his at. current picture. Screenplay by a guy named Don Ruse. R-O-O-S. Worth mentioning. Based upon the novel... SWF Seeks Same by John Lutz. Now, I wanted to talk about that first. So the book is called Single White Female Seeks Same. Okay. Which is, I would imagine, what the ad says in the book. Now, they changed that for the movie. They yeah. made it Single White Female Seeks Female. Yes. So you wonder why she would mention that she's white if she's just asking for Strange. any woman. This was something that people probably could do without being considered racist in 1992. It does jump out. It certainly jumped out to me that she's writing in an ad, single white female. Well, the, you know, moniker well, is, SWF. Well, that's what people used to do, but... I guess, yeah. They changed it for the movie, I think, to be less 
potentially controversial. Oh, sure. People which would be I like, get. that's weird that she only would want to room with a white person. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which, But that I was the book title. Right. It is strange to me to even identify yourself that way in an ad. I mean, I guess that's just what the times were. But right. Like, for dating ads, right. for personal ads, all yeah. kinds of shit. Right. It's People, like my dating profile is just like white male seeks anyone. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Stars Bridget Fonda playing Allie and Jennifer Jason Lee playing Hedra, a.k.a. Hetty. Bridget Fonda, we remember from the Jackie Brown episode. That's true. Right? And Jennifer Jason Lee, this is 10 years after Fast Times. That's She's right. She's starring in this yeah. one. The budget was $16 million, The box office was $48 million, So it, it turned a nice little profit there. And as I mentioned, it garnered a lot more cultural significance than you would think for a movie that made $48 million. True. In other words, before I ever saw this movie, I understood that reference, that joke. Just that it's a crazy chick? And changing your appearance right. to look like the other yes. one and trying to become the other one, that okay. kind of a thing. Yeah. It was not like an SNL sketch or I'm sure right. like Family Guy or something. You know, tons of things that do parody things had this as a reference point for years. Yep. I always wanted to see it and it finally was released on Blu-ray and I got the Scream Factory edition and... I loved it, and I was like, we got to do this. And it kind of fits the one trashy summer. This is probably so. the most questionable of our lineup of trashy movies. There's enough seemingly gratuitous nudity in it, I would Including say. Including Steven Weber's balls and dick yeah, very quickly. So, yeah, big reveal right there from you. I, I thought that was going to be a surprise when we got <laughs> to it. But, uh, yeah, it was a surprise for me, I'll say. <laughs> but a welcome one, Absolutely, I'm sure. yes. The movie opens with out-of-context twins, sort of innocuous. They're, like, putting on makeup. These two girls only really appear in this little scene here and then in photographs later. Yeah. To me, it felt kind of hazy, the shot. Yeah. It's kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio's kids in Inception, where it doesn't really seem (laughs) like they're real. I was convinced that these girls were twins that appear in an early episode of The X-Files, and it is not them. Wow. However, they are played by Tiffany and Crystal Mataris. I will literally blow you right now if you can tell me what these twins were in that we did on this podcast, a movie we did on this podcast. Yikes. I do not know. Which is why I felt safe saying that. Confident. (laughs) Was this something, I take it you did not know this. You stumbled across this information. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me. Camp Nowhere. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they were just girls that were amongst the kid campers. Good for these two. Well, it didn't last that much longer no. for them not as a, actresses. Not a long career? No, not really. They were in like Problem Child 2, okay. Kindergarten yes. Cop. Oh, yeah. I remember these two. Yeah. Do you? I do, actually. Okay. Yeah. The movie takes place in this apartment building called the Ancinia, I believe is how it's pronounced. Yeah, I'll go with it. It's a real place in the Upper West Side in New York City pretty old school building Um, that used to be a luxury hotel yeah years ago huge apartments yeah now they filmed the stuff in the hallways and like the elevator and maybe even the basement actually in that building but the apartment itself was a soundstage that was built anyway it starts with Allie and sam Allie played by bridget fonda as i mentioned and sam played by steven weber who we've referenced they are i guess engaged Although not yes. like they don't, there's no ring yet, but they're talking about their future right. marriage plans and all this stuff. Bridget Fonda looking 
pretty good. I, I will say this might not be like a well received comment from me. I, I don't love the short hair. Yeah, the haircut's bad. I don't yeah. like that haircut. It's the same. I don't like it on a man either. I mean, it's like that weird bowl cut looking right. thing, but it's not completely like shaved down like a man's bowl cut would yeah. be. It has like the little kind of a rat tail. <laughs> You know? I definitely would not describe it as a rat tail, but yeah, there's like more hair on the bottom, but it's like, right. so it's not like shaved, but it's just, it's like a mushroom head or something. Yes. It's not great. It gets to me. But I get why they have her with that hairstyle yeah. because they need to have a hairstyle that the other one can, can be replicated. quite obviously copying. I will say, I think it looks way better on Bridget Fonda than JJL. I'm not even a hundred percent sure I agree with that. Wow. Okay. They have Jennifer Jason Lee looking so terrible earlier in the movie that True. maybe I just felt like anything was an improvement. Okay. We'll get to that. Steven Weber, were you a Wings fan? Sure was. Okay. Him and Tim Daly. That's right. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub or whatever. Right. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Right. It was like a stacked cast. Absolutely. I don't remember who the chick was. That... Crystal Bernard. Yes. <laughs> and then that fat guy with a mustache. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're always just hanging out in an airport. Yeah. I'd love to have like a post 9-11 wings. It's one of those shows that, <laughs> and I had a lot of these. I love how you just no-sold that joke, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Well, I was just thinking about wings, but because it's just one of those shows that I feel like I would watch like every episode, cause just, you know, in syndication on USA. USA, yeah. Right. But I don't think I ever really was that into it, no. but I would just watch it all the time. Right. That's how TV used to work. Yeah. <laughs> People would just watch shows, but they wouldn't really care. Right. I remember Seinfeld hosted SNL like shortly after, probably like a year after yeah. Seinfeld went off the air. And his whole opening monologue was like how he's spending his days now that right. he's not doing the show. And it, a big part of it was like he would just wake up, get himself like a bowl of cereal and just watch Wings like all morning. Oh, that's true, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's like me on summer vacation. But there's probably like no show that I watched more than wings that i was less invested in what was happening on the show <laughs> you know what i mean even like saved by the bell and stuff where I, I would watch so many episodes and obviously like saved by the bell is not life-changing television How but like you. <laughs> you know whatever it is any of those shows i was certainly like way more into the stories and what was happening than wings <laughs> yeah i couldn't tell you what one episode a single is about. plot of an episode of Wings if you offered me $10 million. <laughs> I could not pull that out. I mean, I could take a guess. <laughs> Something about wrong luggage or lost luggage, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what you know Steven Weber from. He sure. was in the, the TV does. movie version of The Shining. Yes, I do remember that. Somehow. What are your thoughts on that? Never saw it. Okay. Did you? I certainly watched some of it when it was on TV, when it that's aired. That's the Stephen King approved version. I know. That's what they say. It's so crazy. I do remember people telling me that it is more true to the book. I'll buy that. I'll buy that for sure. But yeah. I don't think that, I don't see how that makes it better. It's just, <laughs> well, if you're Stephen King, though, maybe. There's just no way that a movie starring Stephen Webber is going to be better than a I, movie starring Jack Nichols. Obviously, I agree with that. I mean, The Shining that we're familiar with is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm just not buying that this one can be really good. It's made for TV and starring Steven Weber. I think Rebecca DeMornay's in it as well. Okay, well, maybe I'm coming around on it. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I watched some of it. That's when they used to do TV movies over like four nights. Right. I think I watched probably the first night of it, and then it might have been leading into 
territory that might have been too scary for me at the time. You know, <laughs> what year did it come out? I, it was a long time ago. I feel like I was in maybe elementary school. Number one, I love your pronunciation of that word. <laughs> it's always stuck with me because one time somebody called me out for saying elementary and they're like, it's A-R-Y. And I was like, okay. So now I like hard pronounce it like that. Good story. Okay, well, I was so- vamping while you looked it up. Shit. 97. Yeah. So I was certainly in elementary school. I was like 14, 13, <laughs> 14. Okay. So Allie and Sam are engaged. They're in bed together. Mattress on the floor. Very bohemian 90s. Everyone in this movie, well, at least in this apartment, ends up sleeping on the floor on a mattress. That's true. Yeah. It makes sense, I guess. I mean, it's essentially a woman. I guess, I, I, well, no, that's not true because I guess Sam was living there at the beginning. I was thinking, well, it's a woman living by herself and then she has a female roommate. They don't want to lug a bed all the way up that elevator or whatever. Yeah. I've never really rocked the mattress on the floor. I did for life. a year. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly, like, when I've moved or whatever, there's been, like, a short time period. But for regular sleeping arrangements, no. Although there's also been, like, long stretches of time where I just sleep on the couch. So who's who's to talk? It just seems like a very early 90s, like... It certainly seems a little bit strange in, like, this chic apartment. Yeah. Well, it's rent-controlled. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a big plot point. Which is pointed out, yeah. (laughs) While they're sleeping... Sam's ex-wife Lisa calls, and this sets off a whole chain of events, which eventually leads to Sam and Lisa speaking on the phone together while it's playing over the answering machine, and Lisa spilling the beans that Sam recently slept with her. Yeah. Which, of course, Allie didn't realize. Sure. The way this scene, it, it took me a second to figure out what was going on. I feel like this is this plays out in kind of a weird way. The whole, like, her listening to it while he's on the phone. She calls the first time, and then he hangs up on her, basically. Then she calls again, and he says, don't answer it, and it goes to the answering machine. And For he, some reason, I was thinking, like, if it goes to answering machine and then somebody picks it up, it comes off answering machine, but I guess that's... Not necessarily, no. Okay. There's a lot of answering machine material in this movie. Oh, the technology in this movie <laughs> really makes you feel like this is from a completely different time. Yeah. The CompuServe well, computer thing that you Well, the see? computer stuff didn't really make sense to me right. for that time period. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on. When you think about this and Basic Instinct taking place in the same year, it just doesn't seem right. <laughs> the answering machine stuff is true to life, but it's just from another time. Oh, yeah. The computer stuff, I don't know if that stuff could have actually happened at that point. Right. I don't know. But it's important to note here that we jump into the nudity right away, just like fully nude Bridget Fonda walking around. Yeah, looking good. Bathed in blue light. Right. Looks really cool. I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. I still, I, I don't want to get stuck on it too much, but I, I still wish we were seeing like the hair from Jackie Brown, you know? <laughs> I get it, but I mean, it's you not really mean. affecting the rest of her body for me. Okay. <laughs> Both of our leading ladies in this, not backing down from True. going all out in the nudity sure, department sure, yeah. in this movie. We learn pretty quickly here that noise travels through the old vents in the building. And Allie's friend Graham lives upstairs and he's overhearing their argument. The long and the short of it is Allie finds out about him sleeping with his ex-wife. She throws Sam out. They break up. Right. That's where we're at. She's kind of a mess because of all of this. She has a big potential job opportunity happening the next day she's commiserating with graham 
Graham is kind of a worthless character. character. (laughs) I I mean, he's interesting to you, worthless to me. Well, he's worthless, but I mean, he's also the best neighbor ever. He seems overly invested in. Yeah, I mean, they're supposed to be friends. Yeah, (laughs) come on though. (laughs) He's a a gay guy who lives upstairs, and he's an actor. The next day, she's walking around outside. I noticed the Pogues on the marquee behind her. All right. (laughs) She's this business lunch with this guy named Mitchell Meyerson. I did love that, too. It's like Ned Ryerson, Mitch Meyerson. For those of you who actually listened to the Basic Instinct episode and are listening to this now, that's right. Two episodes in a row, not on purpose. Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head, Ned Ryerson. (laughs) Ned! Ryerson! Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! (laughs) AKA in real life, Stephen Tobolowski appearing in back-to-back movies this yeah. time in a prominent role for sure and a like a a villain role yeah really an odd character for him to play he's really just an odd dude too i mean he's got such a distinct delivery that really yeah. stands out but i mean he seems insanely big in this movie too <laughs> maybe it's just because he's like around these two like tiny women but yeah well he, i don't know really- what his actual height is but this would have been now, he was in Basic Instinct in the same year. Now, he's only in one scene of that. Sure. He's in a lot of scenes of this. This would have been the year before Groundhog Day, so he wasn't even known wow. as ne- Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head, Ned yeah. Ryerson. <laughs> I just love that he goes from like a Meyerson to a Ryerson. Yeah, I'm wondering That's if that strange. was intentional. Could be. Sometimes like character actors have weird things that they do like that where maybe all of his characters' names rhyme or something, which Could would be. be terrible, but... I wouldn't put it past him. Mitchell Meyerson is a fashion house owner, and he is looking to buy Ali's new software program. Now, I'm just going to say right now, I have no idea. They, the backstory on her occupation? Anything going on with this job stuff, her software, what she does, how this relates to this fashion guy. How she bills clients. Anything. Yeah. It's all a mystery. It's all very vague and weird and doesn't seem real at all. Yeah. It's like what her involvement in is in this? It's a total movie creation. It's something that could only happen in movies. Like okay. this would never be how anything would work in real life. It doesn't right. even make sense. Yeah, yeah. And what is she doing? Like they don't even explain what her thing Especially even does when, really. When we get to like the hacking or whatever is going on later. <laughs> it's like girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Basically, she throws out her quote to this guy. He laughs in her face. He's like, yeah, right. I know your situation. You don't have any clients. He is basically like, I'm going to offer you this much money. There's no negotiation. This is the only offer. Right. And she takes it. We don't see the offer. I feel like he just wrote a zero down on the paper and (laughs) slid it over. Well, no, there had to have been some payment involved because that comes into play later. But, yeah, she does say later in the movie to Hetty that, the whole point of her taking this was for the references. Yes, and yes. to, like, get established. The money was not really that much of a factor. Allie is all, woe is me, I'm alone forever. Yeah. <laughs> Complaining to Graham when she gets back to her apartment. Do you yeah. feel like she'd be having a hard time finding an interested 
no. dude. <laughs> no. It's always infuriating. Sure. It's, I mean, granted, they've done this with every actress under the sun, and, yeah. and some are certainly probably considered more attractive than Bridget Fonda, but Bridget Fonda is like a definite babe and looks sure. incredible. Okay, And I... she's like late 20s in this movie. It's right. like she's worried she's going to be alone forever. Yeah. It's like, come on. Don't give me this. Seriously. <laughs> As I'm just like tying a noose around <laughs> my neck watching this. Living in Manhattan in this apartment. <laughs> I mean, okay, so they wanted to convey that she was sad over the breakup. Okay. It leads her to a potentially... I can buy that. I do believe that every once in a while in the world, a hot chick is single. <laughs> I believe that that must happen. Yeah, and it leads to this potentially vulnerable mindset where she brainstorms the idea to look for a roommate so that she can keep this nice apartment that's rent-controlled and she doesn't want to give it up. I guess the idea was that Sam was helping her with the rent. They don't really make it super clear because they don't show yeah. him ever moving anything out True. of the apartment. So they were kind of engaged, but it's, he had his own place. Or Only seeing this movie once, in the opening scene, my impression... Well, not the opening scene with the twins, but... The, the scene with these two, my impression was that they lived together. Yeah. Okay. But I agree with you. It doesn't seem like, based on the aftermath of the breakup, it, it doesn't feel like he was actually living there. Right. So she takes out a personal ad in the paper. SWF seeks female to share apartment in West 70s, non-smoker, professional preferred, 555-9814. I'd be like, professional what? That's just personal ad terminology. Yeah. <laughs> it means someone with a job, okay. like a, a working girl. Right. Rent stabilized, so the roommate can't come onto the lease, which is a little plot nugget that kind of comes into play later. Yeah. They're dropping little tidbits here and there so that it all will mean something in the end. There's a montage of potential roommates. Now, there's the last woman that isn't Hetty. I felt like there were some decent candidates in this group who is credited as perfect applicant. She's the last one. She was the blonde. Yes. Do you recognize her? I can't remember if I do. She is Renee Estevez, Emilio, and Charlie Sheen's younger sister, who was in Heathers. Oh, wow. She was like the... I do not recognize her, no. Dorky friend of Winona Ryder's, who was her friend like before she joined Heathers. Yes. Would not have put that together. Yeah, I mean, that was an IMDb. Wow, connection. Connection for me as well. Although when I saw her picture on IMDb, you I was like, like, I recognize this IMDb picture. Yeah, I must yeah. have looked at it before. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you recognize that name right away, Estevez. IMDb recall. <laughs> Hello, Sam Rawson. Hello. front door was kind of open. Are you Allison Jones? Yes. Oh, Allie. Oh, I'm, I'm Hedrick Carlson. We spoke on the phone this morning. Are you sure you're okay? Um, 
You know what? I'm not. Uh, would it be all right if you um, came back tomorrow? Why don't you just sit down? No, I'm fine. Let me make it's you just, some tea. I just, I don't think I had lunch, that's all. It's only this one. The one in the bathroom works. Here. Let me get it. I'm so rich. calls Sam, doesn't say anything, hangs up, more crying. <laughs> she does this right after seeing all of these applicants, and then there's a knock at the door. Or not even a knock at just the door. Just shows just up. Show, just right. walks in. No doorbell, no knock. Jennifer Jason Lee playing someone named Hedra Carlson, which Hedra, interesting name. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> they kind of have an awkward moment because Allie was crying, but then... Hedra's trying to like help her get her like some water from the sink. The sink yeah. has a pipe issue, and all of a sudden, water spraying everywhere. They're both all wet. <laughs> You're like, is this a porno? How this leads? Like all of a sudden, they're in their underwear having a pillow fight right, on yeah. a bed. It's like, what's happening right now? <laughs> uh, initial impression of Hetty? She seems fine. Yeah, they seem to be hitting it off at first. I would say that there's something a little off about her i think so yeah but it's done subtly enough where it's very reasonable for Allie to not be noticing or thinking that yeah but as a viewer now granted we're expecting something to be off about her so we are looking at it in a different way but i i do think that she's playing it a little strange i think so does jennifer jason lee seem like she's looking a little bit rougher than she was in Fast Times. Yeah, I mean, the character is supposed to be, like... A little rough around the edges. Yeah. Not not necessarily well put together. Right. A little awkward, maybe, too. Yeah. And things seem to go well. Allie takes to her. Allie offers her the apartment on the spot. She's going to move in. Things are great. And it's a bad idea. You should always sleep on it. <laughs> Hetty asks what I consider to be a very reasonable question about are you sure you're not going to get back together with your ex oh sure yeah. after i move in and get settled and i'll be out of my ass blah blah blah. i was like fuck him no way let's just say i've been heady <laughs> <laughs> i've been there yeah in a situation right. you don't want to get into one kind of these... like this right. <laughs> all of a sudden two weeks later and you're in for a long haul on this lease well that's the thing she's not on the it's lease it's true so that's she's She's really making herself vulnerable here for the whims of Allie. True. I think, you know, maybe there might be some people who haven't seen this movie who don't really know what's going to happen. Obviously, we're going to go down a certain path with Hetty, but Allie is not completely blameless. I mean, she does kind of take a lot of stuff for granted with Hetty and kind of acts like, well, it doesn't matter. I want to do what I want to do. So it True. doesn't really matter right. what Hetty wants. Who yeah. cares? And she, this is my she's a little insensitive. Department. I think so. Yeah. About it a few times. Not that she deserves what happens, but <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not that, that would be quite a leap. But I'm just saying that Hetty isn't completely off base with everything all the time. True. That's all. I don't think Hetty is a 100 percent horrible person. Which 
may come into debate later by some of her actions. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's super shocking to be like somebody that has a mental illness is not completely terrible. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I say about myself, too. Once Hetty moves in, things are very normal at first. They're hitting it off. A couple of weeks go by. They're becoming friends. Everything seems fine. Yeah. For some reason, and now this ties into what I was just talking about, Allie goes into Hetty's room, mostly, I think, just due to curiosity. There's nothing really bad at play yet or anything. And she doesn't think Hetty's home, but I guess Hetty was in the bathroom or in the shower or something, and she comes in, and it's very potentially awkward because Allie's been, like, putting on her perfume and just looking at all of her stuff. That is a strange move. And when Hetty comes into the room... She tries to casually, like, toss a towel onto this box and key that were on her bed without making, like, a big deal about it. So it's clear, like, oh, she wanted to hide that. Yeah. But the big takeaway here is Hetty is already super comfortable being nude in front of Allie because she just kind of takes off the little thing she was wearing. To be fair, though, why wouldn't she be? (laughs) Okay. With that body. She tells Allie that she was supposed to be a twin and the other twin was stillborn. Okay, so this already getting questions in our heads is like, well, what was the deal with that opening scene then? Right, which makes me wonder why they would even include the opening scene. I I, I tend to agree with this. Because it doesn't really serve any purpose, and it really just ruins any... What, What they're trying to set up for a reveal later? Yeah, like you're already like, well, this girl seems strange, she seems like she's got secrets, and... Now she's telling a story that contradicts the opening scene of the movie. Because who else would those twins be? If she's telling a story about a twin, we don't think that they're Allie. Because even though (laughs) Allie's the main character... That's what I mean. You never learn anything about Allie. Allie's the main character of the movie, and yet you almost know nothing about her. Not a lot of history, yeah. We know that she didn't have a very good relationship with her last business partner. Right, and we know she's... In a relationship and out of a relationship with this Sam guy, and we kind of understand her job, but not really, because it's who knows what that even is. Yeah. But other than that, we don't know anything about her family, her parents, where she came from. Is she from New York originally? I don't know. We end up getting a lot more about Hetty. That's true. In the end. Sam, meanwhile, not giving up, really putting himself out there, just like calling, leaving messages. Oof. Yeah. Just. Give it up. Come on. Things seem to really take a turn with Hetty when she realizes the Sam thing just isn't going away. It always pushes her to do the next thing. Right. So the first thing she does is she erases a message on the answering machine from Sam to Allie. This is always like a dangerous game because this is just one of those things that it's always going to come back, you know? Well, like at some point you're going to get caught doing this. Right, but this is a somebody who's mentally unstable i don't think she's thinking clearly (laughs) she does this on the same day that she brings home a puppy named buddy without Allie's knowledge yeah that's a pretty bold move to show up with a dog and the buddy thing will be a potential bargaining chip or tool used between the two of them now i understand that puppies are cute and when they come into the mix you're like oh look at this cute puppy but it's like really what a disaster it's like all of a sudden you're like oh i gotta take this thing to the vet i've got to get it shots it's shitting all over the place right i i can't live the nightlife in manhattan that i want to live because i have to come back and let this stupid dog out <laughs> you know i just feel like it'd be a real hindrance on your life hmm? i'm gonna cheer her up she'll let you stay 
I know I shouldn't have, but they were just giving them away at the market. And... Well, they said I could bring them back tomorrow. Well, I hope they meant it. Look. His name is Buddy. Well, I had a dog named Buddy when I was little, so. Tomorrow, okay, I promise. Yeah, basically, Hetty rolls the dice that Allie's going to fall in love with this thing, and she does. It works. Right. So what do I know? But this is the first time these two acts that all occur simultaneously, the erasing of the message, the buying of this puppy, where we see Hetty as being overprotective, needy, possessive of Allie. They've only known each other for a short time, and she's already doing these things to manipulate the situation, like adding a puppy to the mix or to try to ensure that Sam's attempts to get her back are not (laughs) even acknowledged. Yes. Allie doesn't even know about them. Allie bonds with Buddy. The three of them are like this happy family, spending time together, taking a picture, the three of them in bed together, watching movies. (laughs) It's kind of a dream, I guess, for Hetty, who seems like she's... Friendless and maybe trying to fill a void. Yeah, she doesn't really have much going on. Yeah, right. (laughs) Subtly over time, she's adapting Allie's style. Now, what's her demeanor? Hetty do for a job? She doesn't do anything. She gets checks. Oh, from her family. Yeah, that's a pretty good gig. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It it seems like she comes from a wealthy family. Now, does that fit the professional that? Well, she didn't take time to ask her any questions or even take a. Like a, it's a good point. A resume. She was like taking resumes and taking Polaroids <laughs> of all those other chicks, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I'd be like, "Fuck you, bitch! Either I'm living here or I'm not. You're <laughs> right. not taking my picture." Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think you are, <laughs> asshole? Sam eventually just shows up at the apartment while Allie's not there, and I guess Hetty let him in, and so he's holding the dog, and Allie's pissed at first. Well, yeah, we see this seen from Allie's point of view, right? I mean, Allie just shows up, and Sam is there. Right. She's, like, talking to Graham. They were, like, out shopping or something, and then they come back, and then she shows up, and Sam is already there. Right. So Hetty's kind of, like, let him in. You can tell there's a little bit of shame there, you know? <laughs> Allie's giving her the look, like, what the fuck? Which I don't think is completely fair. What is Hetty supposed to do? Right. Get the fuck out of here. Like, fight Steven this guy. Steven Weber. <laughs> yeah. Sam eventually wears her down, though, and starts winning Allie back, which leads to a pretty definite break for Hetty. And once the engagement is officially back on... Oh, we all saw this coming. Things really take a turn. Right. How did things take a turn? And it really does happen that fast in the movie in terms of Allie and Sam getting back together. They basically just hang out like one night, and then she forgives him for fucking his ex-wife and then they're just gonna get back together things happen (laughs) where is she gonna find another guy as handsome as Stephen (laughs) Weber how well do you think this angle would be going over in today's climate um she needs Stephen Weber to come back and get her life back on track yeah I mean uh, sure I mean I don't think people would be loving it but I don't think it would necessarily be controversial controversy right People break up and get back together in TV and movies. I mean, that's just something that has to happen. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely the villain, but... I accidentally fucked my (laughs) ex-wife. 
<laughs> recently. They don't really harp on it though, and in fact, they mostly portray Sam as like a pretty I so. good guy after yeah. this. He never really does anything. Certainly remorseful. Wrong. Seems dedicated to Allie. Obviously, putting in the time to try and get her back. Once Allie and Sam are spending all this time together, and Sam's like staying at the apartment. Pretty quickly, Hetty starts moving in on Sam in a very subtle way. Yeah, I mean, we have a full-on third-wheel situation happening now. Right. Hetty just becomes this constant lingering presence in the apartment. She's always around. Yeah. She's talking to Sam, At this point, barely have... wearing any clothes, which I think is what Allie is like freaked out about in that scene. Oh, right. She's wearing like an open shirt with no bra. Oh, yeah. And then just underwear. So it's like We're... underwear... Open shirt with, like, most of her boobs hanging out. You're heading into this territory where it's like, if you're heady, you either got to work your way into, like, some sort of threesome mix or just get out. You know? <laughs> I don't think Allie's going for that. No, I don't no think matter so. What. Yeah, Allie's a good girl. <laughs> Pretty shortly thereafter, Hetty, I guess in the middle of the night, is just masturbating with the door open. Yeah. It's a pretty bold move. <laughs> I really actually did, you know, I, I was expecting this movie to push some boundaries, certainly. Really was not expecting this visual. Yeah. Well, it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allie now just really frayed nerves. She's sensing that there's an issue here. She, we got to get Hetty out of the situation here. She wants to get rid of Hetty, but she's afraid to be a total bitch, basically, is the problem. Yeah. It's like that thing from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, you know? <laughs> I don't think there's that level of evil yet right. on Allie's mind. I don't <laughs> think she realizes that there's like a potential murderer You here. just didn't want to be rude to me. So this leads into this awkward morning where a bunch of stuff is going on. Sam is fixing this gate thing. I don't even know what it is. It's like a fence. I don't know what you would call that. This is a strange plot point, and the way that it factors in I think is kind of odd too. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like they didn't want to commit fully to her doing something completely insane yet. A balcony, but a balcony outside a, a raised window. window. Yeah, not like a sliding glass door. Right. So Sam is working on fixing some fence piece thing that's outside their window. They're way up high, obviously. Allie is upset she didn't sleep well because she's freaked out, I think, by the way Hetty's acting. So then yes. they have this conversation. Hetty's just lingering, being weird annoying Allie in various ways. This is one of the moments, though, where Hetty's making breakfast. Yes. Always a good quality in a roommate, I think. Yeah, Hetty does like a lot of stuff that would traditionally be seen as things to endear yourself to a roommate, right. which just, I think, further infuriates. <laughs> is annoying. <laughs> Allie, yeah, because it's almost like you can see through everything she's doing. Yeah. Like, she's making the breakfast, she's cleaning up the plates, she's doing all this stuff, and it's really just pissing Allie off. That's like one of those things, though, where Allie and Sam go to lunch later, and Allie's, like, talking about how annoying it is, and Sam's just like, just enjoy the omelets, you know? <laughs> Allie and Sam leave, they go out and do their thing. When they come back, they hear a woman screaming. Oh, no. From just a random place. Which, at first, when I saw this, I thought it was actually heady. You know what I mean? Because they're just, like, looking down from the street. And oh, you, you mean Hetty's screaming? Yeah, and you see a woman up in the balcony. Right. Right. But it's yeah, not. It's not. It's somebody much lower. It cuts to like a crowd of people around a dead dog. It's clearly Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> they run up to the not apartment. Not a lot of mystery there. Hetty is just like oblivious with headphones on, window wide open. The little piece that Sam apparently fixed is now broken back off. Now, what do you think happened here? Do you think she just opened the window and the dog went out and fell, or do you think she threw the dog off the side? Here's the thing. 
I mean, she's a pretty good actress if this was not an accident. I don't know what you're supposed to make of her character. She's crazy. You don't think that she did this on purpose at all, which I think is completely 100% wrong. <laughs> she she definitely did something on purpose. She either just opened the window on purpose or I was actually thinking, did she actually kick the dog off? Wow. Because you see her be mean to the dog in an earlier True. scene yeah. when no one else is around. And I'm, I thought that was setting up for the idea that she doesn't give a shit about this dog And at she all. really has given me no reason to believe in her because she does nothing but, I would say, 95% bad things for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's clearly a choice in the filmmaking here to not show what actually happened. But she does... Whereas later we'll see her actually do things. Right. But right now we're not really sure her what reaction she's doing. Her reaction to it, though, it feels like she's genuinely surprised. <laughs> You were completely fooled by everything Catherine Chamel did in Basic Instinct, <laughs> yeah, and now absolutely. you're completely fooled by Hetty. I'm you, so willing to buy it. I mean, I don't know. I guess I've just you dated just a different you. kind of girl. It's like, I know like the fake crying, like, know, the like, fake emotions. The girls that are like kicking dogs out of windows. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like such a horrible thing. Now, granted, she does horrible things. I think the murdering of an animal the harming of an animal is a recurring thing in like the crazy woman yes. character fatal attraction it famously. happens um in too many movies for me really i don't need to see a dog being killed well you don't okay. it's already dead thank by the time you. you see it <laughs> i appreciate that yeah i think that they just were escalating her madness and she's doing right. this to get back at Allie. like it's an anger but thing she has this seed planted in her head that she's going to be able to use the fact that he didn't fix the balcony as the reason why the dog died you know what i mean like when did that well be probably because she rebroke that thing okay to, to push the dog through gotcha or okay i don't know i mean i guess you could speculate in all different directions as to what actually happened true she threw it off and then she at the she very least opened the window knowing yes. the dog would go out there right, okay. and hoping it would fall. Yeah. Which seemed, But that seems like too much of a risk. I think that she just went all the way through with it and, and made it look like an accident. Okay. And then she worked back to how we got there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. So there's a lot of Hetty freaking out about Allie spending too much time away from the apartment. Yeah. Almost being like, where were you? I was worried, you know, giving her the third degree. It's a lot of that kind of material. And really, it gets so much worse. Yeah, that's like where it starts, and then the dog, and then it goes even farther. Yes. I'm almost thinking, if you're Allie at this point, and you think, because, I mean, Allie thinks that Hetty is 100% to blame for this. Yeah, but there's How enough There's enough of a... Doubt around uh, it? Yeah, I mean... Sam supposedly fixed this thing, but then he didn't really. And then the whole idea, I guess, of why he was fixing it was so that they could have the window open again and not have to worry about the dog. Okay. And so he fixes it, but then it's not really fixed. I don't know. All right, but the dog is dead. I feel like there's enough awkwardness in the air. This is like the time to say, Hetty, would you kindly remove yourself from the situation? Right. Well, when they get everything's settled in like they basically sedate Allie and then that's when Hetty is like crying on Sam's shoulder and trying to get him to like kiss her and stuff and it gets real awkward yeah Hetty's putting on the waterworks as well with all the crying and he's like well don't worry about it she'll blame me he's mitigating the situation Sam never really goes after Hetty until it's too late yeah he doesn't really get it yeah no one gets it so things go well at work that's really all I can say 
I don't know what's happening. <laughs> they're showing something to like, clients or something. I yeah, don't know yeah. what the fuck they're right. doing. But eventually it leaves Mitchell, our boy Ned Ryerson, alone with Allie. In an uncomfortable work he's environment. Like, she wants to leave. He's like, no, have champagne, stay with me, blah, blah, blah. He's acting like really embarrassing. How many movies is there a scene like this? A lot. I would say so. It's kind of like what we talked about on The Glow Season 2. It's similar yes. feel to that. Yeah. He's putting a lot of pressure on her. He's like, put me in a headlock. <laughs> He's being sexually aggressive and really, it's an odd sight. I mean, granted, I mean, I'm not making light of the situation. Yeah, but please. to see Ned Ryerson with his terrible bald head and glasses <laughs> yeah. just like just reaching into her shirt dude. and right. stuff you're just like jesus what is happening yeah yeah it's a so really off-putting. bizarre thing <laughs> he insinuates that if she does not submit to him he will warn off future clients in addition to not paying her yeah which he, seems like an insane he has really been holding this whole job like over her head yeah <laughs> what managed- the job is we don't know yeah, well, she's hoping to get future business out of this. So it's not F- like future fake jobs. It's not like he's her boss. It's more like he's hired her to do a yeah, job. He's a client. She, right. She's like an independent business or contractor or whatever. She fights him off and flees. It just so happens that after the dog died, Sam was going out of town, which he still does. So he's not around. Allie comes back to the apartment and confides in Hetty. Someone who, to this point, we were like, these two are at each other's throats almost. Yep. So this is almost like this weird change up in the story. Hetty's response is pretty reasonable because Allie starts turning it around and being like, I can't believe I did this, like hit him and all this stuff. I'm fucked. And she's like, no, don't you turn around. You're the victim. It's all very... (laughs) It's it's like in Royal Tenenbaums when Bill Murray tells Luke Wilson that he thinks... Gwyneth Paltrow's having an affair. <laughs> Just punches the window. Yeah. Hetty is like, we got to get this guy. Yeah. And she calls Mitchell at his house and talks to him. And it's basically like, if you shit talk me, you're fucked. Your family's fucked. I'm coming for everybody. You know, pretending to be Allie. Right, right. And then she hangs up and she switches right back to being like, Hetty's <laughs> happy go lucky. Allie like, was like, wow. And Hetty's just like, oh, I do that all the time. She's like, oh, he's pissing in his PJs now or something. <laughs> and it's really bizarre because Allie goes, gee, Hetty, I hope you never get mad at me, which, of course, is supposed to be like foreshadowing. But they kind of make this seem as if Hetty is acting unreasonable or crazy is, I think, what they were going for. But this is at a time where right. rape and attempted rape was treated much more lightly, I guess. For some reason. Whereas, like, now, it's like, yeah, everything she does is completely, completely normal, justified. and she's acting like an outraged, normal friend would act. So the purpose of this scene is kind of bizarre in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, this makes Hetty seem like a good person, and we're, like, back on her side now, even if we think she killed that dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird, like, the order of this scene. Like, they should have done this before the dog, maybe. I would agree with that. It just is a weird change up in the direction where you're like, okay, well, maybe Hetty's not that bad. So the next day, Hetty's like, I got a surprise for you. I got something that'll cheer you up. She takes Allie to this a new salon <laughs> yeah, to get a makeover. Now, this is where the movie really takes a turn. And th- yeah, this is where it becomes famous and the 
parodied, referenced, right. whatever moment happened. So for some reason, it's a two-story salon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Allie's like downstairs, and then when she's wrapping up, all of a sudden coming down the stairs is Hetty, and she's dressed exactly the same as Allie, and she has the same haircut now and the same color. And <laughs> it seems Allie is definitely unnerved by oh, this development, yeah, right. as anybody would be, because it's very strange. Because Allie's hair, as we pointed out, is very specific. I will say, even just watching it, the movie's kind of very dull looking. It doesn't really pop or anything. But in this scene in particular, I found it very jarring. It's striking when she shows up looking like that. Yeah, I think if you're like completely unfamiliar with this movie and what it's about, and then you get to this scene, I think it's a pretty effective scene. I would to say make so. You, like, Oh, she is really, like, fucked up. Right. We didn't really know the extent of it. We don't know where this is going, but now, clearly, lives are in danger. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to rethink my stance on the dog situation. <laughs> yeah. You're still convinced it's an accident be- <laughs> because she was crying. Right. So they go back to the apartment. While Hetty's in the shower, Allie does some snooping. She looks through her closet, and she finds that box, the same one that was on the bed earlier. Yeah, yeah. Inside the box, she finds letters addressed to Ellen Besh. It will turn out that Ellen Besh is Hetty's real name. Oh, wow. There are also photos and some newspaper articles that seem to reveal that Hetty's twin story was false. Her twin was not a stillborn. She lived and then died tragically young in a drowning accident at like a family picnic or something. Oh, wow. Here we go again with these drowning accidents. It's like fucking Lake Mungo. (laughs) Again, yeah. (laughs) That's a reference. Wow. Yeah. How many people have seen that? (laughs) And then, to top it off, she also finds a letter from Sam and the keys that he had sent over when they were split up that Sam had referenced, and she was like, I never got a letter. So clearly, this is evidence that Allie's been fucking messing with her life from way back at the beginning, from even before they got back together. And, you know, we saw her erase that message, but now here's even more evidence. Yeah, although to be fair, it's just like Hetty heard the stories about Sam. And she Plus, was like, I bought all that furniture, bitch, and I moved in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, you fucked everything yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. I said, I distinctly remember saying, are you going to get back with this dude? Because if so, I don't want to follow through Yeah, with I this. mean, she does say that right. to her at one yep. point. <laughs> There are moments where Hetty can't seem to control her rage, and she does kind of like flip out a few times <laughs> before the ending. Right, where it's right, like yeah. completely unraveled. She'll be like, "I can't fucking believe you." <laughs> <She'll> <laughs> yeah, like that's that. right. Yeah. Flashbacks to us living together. <laughs> <laughs> Allie follows Hetty out that night, and she goes to some weird underground sex club. Oh wow! Yeah, this scene almost feels like it comes out of nowhere. It's like this weird BDSM club or something. It reminds me of when we were talking about Seven, and we were like, do these places really exist? Oh, right. Someone has one of those weird blade (laughs) dildo things. She finds out that Hetty's been passing herself off as Allie because people were calling her Allie, and now she looks like Allie, and certainly a a freak-out moment if there ever was one. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. So she hurries home, and she goes upstairs to see her friend Graham to tell him everything she's discovered about Hetty. Graham, I'm living with a lunatic. And yeah, he's like, get rid of her immediately. He's like <laughs> yelling and like freaking out. Graham the- is the voice of reason, I will say. Yeah, he's not really a major influence on the plot, but he seems like he's got... Well, he hangs in the background, and then he factors back in in a major way, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> 
All the while, Hedy's... Disagree, maybe? No. All the while, Hedy's returned to the apartment and overhears everything through the vents, which they established early on. This yeah. movie is good at, like, making sure they plant the right seeds <laughs> so they don't just throw yeah, something yeah. at you at the end. It's almost, like, too much. You're, I, you're like, we didn't even need all of these things. Right. This whole thing with the vent was kind of throwing me a little bit. I don't know about this. That she's hearing these conversations go on. Through the vent. Yeah, I mean, it's I almost... I mean, maybe in these old buildings it just was that way, but... I mean, it's believable. It feels like there's a lot of space between apartments. The ceilings are pretty high. Right, I mean, it's believable, but it is kind of unnecessary. You're like, yeah, they yeah. probably could have come up with, like, a different way to do this. Allie leaves Graham's apartment, and then we find out that Hetty is snuck into the apartment, and she attacks Graham. We don't know what happens. <laughs> I have to say, I, I think we'll get to it at some point. Like the time from Graham kind of taking a few blows to the head with this whatever it is. Like a metal pole. Yeah. <laughs> what was the purpose of this weapon? It's a, a foreign object <laughs> and that she bashes him in the head with several times. The time between like Graham not being on screen anymore and resurfacing. Yeah. The longest unconscious. He was in a coma, yeah. basically. <laughs> it's believable. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it. Every, yeah. I was thinking to myself, ever since you taught me about the House of Buys, this was like... One <laughs> oh, of the, yeah, this movie. When Come I was, on. Yeah, watching it, I was like... I'd be hanging up yeah. the phone. <laughs> right, yeah. like, no, we're not buying it. Yeah. yeah, at a certain point, it starts to unravel a little too much. Okay, yeah. It, the ending is like almost way too convoluted for... No apparent reason. Yes. It could have been much simpler. Right. It does kind of go on and on at a certain point. Yeah. Sam gets back to town, and he's supposed to call Allie right away. Allie falls asleep. Hetty interrupts the call. So then she shows up at Sam's apartment, impersonates Allie, wearing her clothes, her perfume. Sam hasn't seen Hetty with the new haircut. Uh, yeah. So this is all like he's asleep when she shows up. She uses a key to get in, and she just starts blowing Sam and... She blows him to completion because he doesn't really realize it's her until he's like actually coming. Yeah, it's like, way to go, Hetty. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, can you buy this? I'll buy it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to impersonate. Well, we don't want to like nitpick this to death because right. the point of a movie like this is to be like a, just super crazy. Right, right. I mean, yeah. In this scene is like insane this for so like many different reasons in but... youth and revolt when michael Sarah is pretending to be a girl <laughs> successfully you know yeah in the book youth and revolt that goes on for like an entire book and they just <laughs> buy it well, right. <laughs> it's very shakespearean that i'm way. good look i'm fine with it after the blow I, I mean maybe i think a part of him knew it was an alley but he was just like he was already rock hard yeah he's like i have to continue <laughs> yeah i mean come on Right. But the events that follow the blowjob, very interesting. Yeah. It's funny, though, because she gets up and she's like almost like happily sighing and all this stuff and making like noises and whatever. And he doesn't even really react. He just kind of rolls over for a minute and <laughs> processing it all. Like, it's I don't like, understand what's night, going on. Passes out. <laughs> Eventually, though, he does freak out and they're like fighting because she's basically trying to blackmail him. I won't tell. Allie, if you call her right now and say you're getting back together with your ex-wife and never talk to her again. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You knew it was me. Come on. You knew. And you didn't care. Well, 
think she should know that. You think she's gonna thank you for that news, do you? Well, I don't expect you to understand our friendship. Can stand you for Christ's sake. That's not true. Oh bullshit! Mm -mm. You're too needy. You're you're always clinging. You're constantly in her face. She needs me. Uh, who was there for her when her boss almost raped her? Hmm? What? Who took care of her? You were off on a business trip or screwing someone. She never said a word to me about that. That's right. She told me. So, don't try and make me think that we're not close. We lean on each other and we, we protect each other. We're, we're best friends. You're nuts, you know that? Yeah, I think you're out of your, your skull. That's what I think. Yeah, well, sticks and stones, okay? Oh, man, man. Sam, Sam. Don't touch me. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Look, I know you want to save face. I won't tell her, okay? Just, just pick up the phone and call her and tell her that you're going back to your ex-wife or something. And I won't say a word, okay? Yeah, well, you, you won't have to say a word, sweetheart, because I'm going to tell her myself. He's like, you don't have to tell her because I will. So he's insisting to tell her. Oh, no. Backfiring. She freaks out. Reverse psychology. She throws a shoe at him and he turns to like run at her. And she just like wildly flails the other stiletto heel and it goes directly into his eye and, and kills immediately him kills him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it went right into his brain. I was like, wow, quite an arm she has. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. It's like a hundred to one shot, maybe even like a thousand to one shot that you would somehow do this perfectly accidentally backhanded twirling around with a stiletto heel. But I mean, it's I mean, a crazy movie. I'm willing to, okay. to accept it. It's a lot of force coming from a woman who <laughs> weighs 90 pounds. Can't be taller than five foot three. Right. I mean, if Ronda Rousey did this with a heel, I'm like, OK, I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, I think they just needed a way for her to kill him that would be quick and not draw too much attention like a gun yeah, or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. It isn't I'm good the most it, then. Yep. best way to do it, but they I think they were embracing the craziness of it. I'm with it. Like if it was just a knife or something then it, you know, that's just like anything else. They wanted to go with like the <laughs> craziest thing they could think of or well, whatever. I'm good with it. As she's leaving, Sam's doorman thinks she's Allie. So this is where the lookalike part of it all comes into play. You're like, oh, okay, I see how this is all going to factor in now. Yeah. Because it's going to, obviously, Allie would be visiting her boyfriend. Who's Hetty? <laughs> no one knows who Hetty is. Yeah, yeah. The next day, Allie wakes up. Hetty's already moving out, cleaning her apartment like a fiend, her room in the apartment. Allie's confused but relieved because it seems like, well, this is a problem that I don't have to deal with now. When Hetty is out of the apartment, Allie turns on the TV and sees a oh, news report big about story. a murder. Oh, no. And for some reason, they're like, 
this was the room number that it was in. <laughs> it's so dumb. The news report was like not saying his name, which makes sense because usually you wouldn't that early. What a weird like news. But then they're report, like, though. here's the number of the room though. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's like man found with heel lodged in his face. <laughs> Pictures at eleven. Right. It dawns on her what ha- has happened because it's Sam's apartment number. A phone call to Sam confirms it when someone answers and like there's been an accident. Hetty shows back up and Allie's freaking out. She's like throwing up, crying. Oh wow. She's trying to hide it. Yep. Hetty's like, What are you doing? And Hetty realizes that Allie has learned and she's like, You're sad about Sam, aren't you? She really catches <laughs> Is it Allie. that obvious? She really catches Allie off guard here because she's just like I just cleaned off all of my fingerprints from my room. My name was never on the lease. She knows from overhearing the conversation with Graham that oh, Allie right. knows that Hetty's not her real name. She's like, Hetty's not my real name. No one has met me, basically. No one knows who I am. Oh, wow. They thought that it was you at the apartment. I look like you. They're going to think you did this. Shit. She takes Allie hostage at gunpoint. And then they, for some reason, I guess it's just Hetty's thinking fast on her feet. I guess she thinks that the cops are going to show up to question Allie right away. So they're like, all right, well, let's go upstairs to Graham's. Because she's like, I took care of Graham. <laughs> yeah. It cuts to, like, Allie being taped to a chair pretty hilariously. Right. <laughs> just, like, it looks really funny. All of um, Hetty's plans for what she's going to do with Allie are very interesting. There's, yeah. like, multiple moments where what is the she's bound game? or tied and then untied, and then there's, like, a suitcase, and then she's retied up. I mean, I get that, like, you can't really understand the mind of a crazy person, okay. but, like, yeah. what is her end game here? Does right. she want to fuck her? Does she just want her to be her best friend? Does she just want to be, like, sisters? Does she want to be her, like, get rid of her so that she can be Allie? I think simultaneously all of these things. Like, it's so hard to figure out where it's going, like, what she thinks is going to happen. Hetty dyes her hair so that it doesn't look like hers anymore now at this point i'm really down on the hair for jjl (laughs) i mean to me at this point she looks like a boy (laughs) with the hair you know right okay well then she leaves the cash up check but she leaves Allie with access to a tv remote so Allie's trying to like blast this rock channel which i guess is like mtv or something to try and get someone's attention and it almost works but is interrupted by a returning Hetty who's able to cover and get rid of the people. Yes. Hetty mentions a stupid girl in Tampa. She says, you're just like that stupid girl in Tampa who called my parents and told them all my secrets. And so it's like, has she been down this road before, like with another woman? Could be. It's like, what is happening? What has she done in the past? I don't know, but as this is escalating with Allie being tied to a chair. and Well, I feel like she killed her sister. Yeah. So there's that. I just meant, like, what was she talking about with the girl in Tampa? Right, like, right. In other words, has she been in another single white female situation it where seems she met possible. someone and yeah. went down this road? This all leads to, like, a total meltdown. I think over the course of these, like, last 20 minutes or so of the movie is when you start to see the real Hetty where she's not putting oh, up yeah, that front right. anymore. It, it just, this whole series of events, it seems like, A, there's too many events, and B, it goes on for too long. Right. I'm going to try to like speed through some of this. Okay, so it's like, yeah. meanwhile, all of Meyerson's files at his fashion house are being erased. And this is like the what I was talking about, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Like Lisbon Salander or whatever is just like getting on a <laughs> laptop and like clearing everything. Well, this is movie. like, Allie's not even doing anything because she's still tied up at this point. Right. This is thanks to a fail safe 
installed in all of Allison Jones's software where if she doesn't receive payment, this will automatically do this and like delete it. How would the software know if she got oh, paid? Oh, I know. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Right. So it's like, all right, well, if she receives payment, does she manually shut it off or yeah. whatever? I don't know. Newman's face pops up on the screen. Ah, ah, ah. You didn't <laughs> say the magic word. Basically. Right. So then Meyerson rushes off to track Allie down because he has 24 hours to like resolve this or everything will be gone permanently. Okay. You could almost buy this in like 2019 computers and internet. It's like, I don't know how this is believable <laughs> right. in 1992. This like CompuServe laptop that she's pulling up seems insane. Yeah, I don't know. People's minds were probably being blown. It doesn't even look like it could handle like solitaire. <laughs> he ends up showing up at the building and getting involved and he tries to save Allie, but ultimately he just gets himself killed by Hetty. Not <laughs> just a, a complete failure. Not a great loss no, based no. on what we know about him. Graham, somehow not dead, again, regains consciousness in it, his bathtub. It feels like so much time has passed since Hetty attacked him with the blowpoke. It and feels like so much time has passed, but I actually think it's only been like two days. Maybe even like a day and a half. Okay, but he's unconscious in the bathtub with a cat on him. Yeah. And then coming to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unlikely, but I don't think it's inconceivable. Okay. I mean, I think it All could right. happen. All right, I'm with you. <laughs> don't you think it's possible to, to get hit on your head and be unconscious for a long period of time? I do. I think you usually go into a coma and die. Or you go into a coma and live. That's true. It's a good point. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> Hetty tries to get Allie to kill herself via pills <laughs> at gunpoint. Right. I think this is where she's truly like, I've painted myself into a corner. I don't, know, I don't do. know how to get out of this. Let me force her to write a suicide note on a computer and then have her yeah. kill herself where she's confessed to killing everybody. So what was her intentions with the suitcase, Hetty? She goes down to the basement of the building to get this giant suitcase. First, she tries to see if she can fit in it. I think she was. that was before she was going to have her kill herself, so she was yeah. going like, to smuggle one or the other out through the suitcase <laughs> or right, something. Yeah. Or maybe leave... Allie tied up and put her in the suitcase, but there are several times where Allie and Hetty are standing next to each other, and Bridget Fonda is like significantly taller, a foot taller yeah. than Jennifer Jason Lee. So I don't know. I don't think using herself as a model was like the best way to tell. I feel if like probably not. Allie would fit in the suitcase. I don't know. It doesn't matter anyway because right. it never happens. Allie fights her off though instead of taking the pills, and this leads to this all-out brawl that goes on forever. It starts in the apartment. <laughs> Graham Guns. gets involved. Right. There's a gun. Hetty clearly has a chance to shoot Graham, but then like doesn't, and Allie like pulls her off. Yeah, it's not quite the chase sequence in Seven, but I would say it's kind of along those lines. They it sprawls through the building. Yeah, they spill out into the hall, and then Allie's like, lock yourself in, Graham, and then Graham just does nothing at that <laughs> point. What a fucking loser. Worthless. Like, I know you were in a coma, but, like, your friend is out there fighting for her life. Right. They don't show him calling the police. They don't show him doing anything. He's just never in it again. Hetty not really a natural with this gun, though. No. She doesn't look, you know, very smooth with it. She does manage to squeeze off a shot that hits Allie in the shoulder or something. Yeah, the they arm. both, like, do pretty significant damage to each other throughout this whole thing. Yeah. They take it to an elevator... At that point, it's just fighting. Well, and you're just like, fists. I really had no idea there was going to be this much action thrown into the end of this movie. She gets on top of Allie and is like choking her out. And I guess Allie is just playing possum and pretending to be unconscious. Yeah. 
Allie's got to be psychological in her fighting, you know? Yeah, because somehow she's a foot taller than Hetty, but, like, Hetty is just beating her ass well, over and lure, over. Well, she lures people in. I mean, even in the attempted rape scene, she kind of, like, makes it seem like she's going to go for something sexual. And oh, then, right, like, yeah. You know, like, knees him in the nuts. Oh, so you're saying that was, like, a callback to that I just think, idea. you know, that's her kind of, like, her fighting style, you know? Okay. Hetty drags her out of the elevator. I guess she has plans of throwing her into the incinerator. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really fucking dark. Well, she's making it up on the fly here, you know? So she puts, like, a blanket over top of her while she's, like, getting this fire going in the incinerator. And then she comes back with a wheelbarrow. And then, oh, shit, she's not there. <laughs> <laughs> then it's just, like, running around this basement of this building, Allie hiding from her. At one point, she's, like, peeking out of, like, a vent. And she throws a rat onto her. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, Matt must be freaking out. I was a like, rat is a off. weapon. Shut it off. <laughs> Eventually, Hetty attacks a mirror, like her own reflection of herself. I guess she freaked out. And then Allie gets the jump on her, stabs her in the back because she's like hanging upside down from the ceiling. It's like a really At absurd this point, move. Yeah, you're just like, I cannot believe this is still going is on. Is she a Spider-Man? Like, what is happening? And then she just comes down and stabs her again, like, in the spine, and then she dies. She goes to the ground. And you think the movie's over because the villain is dead, and it basically is, except for this absurd epilogue narration. Oh, I know. just like, what the fuck is she talking about? Because <laughs> Allie's just like, you know, I forgave her for killing Sam, and now I have to forgive myself. Because I've seen what not forgiving yourself does to you. And it's it's just completely like, insane, this ending and then, it almost contradicts the idea that she killed her twin, though. Yeah. Because it's basically saying that the twin died accidentally and that she never got over it, and it, that's what made her crazy. You know, But I, I don't even know if that really makes sense. I think what you said makes more sense. True. I hate doing this because it's comparing it to a movie that I love, but the end of Blade Runner, when he starts doing that voiceover. <laughs> oh, you mean the shitty version yeah, of Blade yeah, Runner? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. This is almost like that. It really adds nothing to it. Yeah. Except actually makes it Detracts worse. more. Yeah, you're just like, what? And the visuals include. No, I do love the visual. Okay. The half, the photo with half their faces. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> because That's the thing that feels like straight out of a Lifetime movie for oh, me. Oh, well, this is basically a glorified Lifetime right. movie. Okay, yeah. Clearly, I think Lifetime has probably done versions of the same kind of story. Yes, yes. Now, they did do a shitty sequel, just like Basic Instinct, just like Roadhouse. One of those things that's not really related they just threw a name on it. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't think it was even in the theaters. I don't right. I don't really know anything about it. But then they did a movie called like The Roommate. Single white female to femme fatales or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something. You know, I, I don't know. They did a movie called The Roommate. I think like Leighton Meester was in it. This is not that long ago. Oh, wow. From like How the about 2000s. That? Yeah. And I like Leighton Meester. It's basically called like referred to as a cheap knockoff of this. I mean, it wasn't an official remake or anything, but it's the same kind of idea. Okay. A crazy roommate hey, story. I, you know, it's a great premise. And I think NBC, as of a couple of years ago, was developing this as like a show, which I don't really fully understand. With that title still? Single white female? Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, still? that's the whole point of taking the property is to use a recognizable name. Yeah, I, I know. It just, to me, is like a name that isn't really going to carry on well with time. Because it says white in it? Yeah, it just seems strange. Well, to wait till saying. next week's movie. <laughs> If you think this this title is weird. (laughs) I am excited for next week's movie. It's just so it's such a weird identifier, you know? I think there's enough here that there's usable stuff for 
any variation of the story because it is an iconic moment of her right. emulating the look and the unnerving of like what do you do you've you're locked into this situation kind of with this person who hasn't really done anything that you can prove yet but is now acting really weird and now is oh, yeah, yeah. trying to become you yeah which like can taking you even your imagine look, that taking that your clothes ever? moving in on your man like all this stuff is yeah. happening and you're like what the fuck my version of it single white male this dude moves in and starts to look like Artie lang you know (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mean for the selections of this month to be like all crazy bitches but i mean that's kind of the road we're going down well they make a lot of trashy movies that way yeah that's part of it i do think though that last week was an interesting look at like a sociopath a serial killer in a very unique and interesting way and this is more it's funny because you can embrace everything that's unrealistic about basic instinct and just kind of roll with it but this (laughs) movie feels like it should be to a higher standard because the depiction of mental illness is more real okay yeah i think that this movie is certainly elevated by jennifer jason lee and Bridget Fonda's performances. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee makes this movie legitimate because it could have really, really come out bad okay, with the wrong right, people yes. in this movie. It could have looked embarrassing. You almost are willing to buy some of the absurd choices just because you're like, well, she seems pretty real. Almost willing to buy, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, killing someone stiletto through the eye is kind of hard to <laughs> to grasp, but what I'm saying is the bones of the story are right. real. Yes. The little flourishes are unrealistic, but the idea of this person existing, moving in with this person, and then over time revealing themselves to be this crazy person, yeah, that feels real. And I think that's probably because Jennifer Jason Lee is so good in it, as she always is. She's uh, one of the best actresses, I think, out oh, there. Oh, wow. Okay. She really proved herself to me, at least. I think so, yeah. <laughs> she always brings it. Right. I wish Bridget Fonda was still active. She hasn't acted in like, uh, you know, since like 2000 or something. Well, I was thinking I wish she was in more things. Yeah. I think she just retired. I mean, she just doesn't act anymore. I think it's been a long time. I don't even really know what all she was in, though. Most of it wasn't super great. I mean, her best stuff was probably this Jackie Brown and A Simple Plan. Okay. The Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, yeah. I think those are like the big three. I mean, she was in a bunch of other stuff, too, but. I don't think it was as good. I mean, I might be missing like one other thing. Okay. Well, I might have to do a deep dive sometime and see what what all is out there. She is Peter Fonda's daughter. Okay. And her aunt is Jane. Jane. Gotcha. Yeah. Jane Fonda, illustrious career. Yeah. Never retired. No. Okay. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what the story is with Bridget Fonda. I just assume she probably got married and had kids and just stopped being right. and stuff. Probably didn't really have to worry about money i mean the fondas have been acting for generations her grandfather was henry fonda okay so she's doing fine yeah i mean she was part of an acting dynasty and probably just decided didn't really want to do it anymore i don't know who knows maybe there's some story that i'm not aware of so there you have it there are things that i don't know i don't believe that (laughs) so that'll do it for week two of one trashy summer as we mentioned next week's will be an interesting one can't wait to see people <laughs> yeah we'll see how we can get conversation going i on will that one. give one hint it'll probably be the most obscure movie we've ever done wow. on the podcast for so sure. people really bracing for that 
We got a big summer. We got the rest of One Trashy Summer going for June, and then we have a lot of cool stuff for the rest of the summer after that. I think it's an exciting time. People would consider cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of cool stuff. So thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review, and we will see you next time. says here we should work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? I, I don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight, Alan. Gambling? Who say anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's also illegal. It's not illegal. It's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11, where everybody gets so sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Either way, you gotta be super smart to count cards, buddy, okay? Oh, really? It's not easy.
Okay, well, maybe we should tell that to Rain Man because he practically bankrupted a casino and he was a retard. What? He was a retard. <laughs>